The following sermon is from Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City at the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Manhattan. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith. Head to fapc.org and join our email list and be sure to subscribe to FAPC in New York City, our YouTube channel. And now we invite you to breathe deep and lean into the beauty of worship with Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. Listen now for God's word to you as it echoes to us from Exodus chapter 20, beginning with the first verse. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an idol, whether in the form that, that is the heaven above or that is the earth beneath, or that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For the Lord, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of their parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day, seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son, or your daughter your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in the six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the seas and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land of the Lord God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Many see this scene, this remarkable moment atop Mount Sinai as the climactic event in Exodus and maybe the whole Hebrew Bible. With pyrotechnics shooting off left and right, God dictates the Ten Commandments to Moses. God utters the Decalogue, ten words of enormous import. God gives the Torah, the law, to the people. It's an awesome moment. Although, as the fire and smoke clear, we may silently wonder, what does all this mean? Sh should religion be 
in the legal business? Doesn't Moses know about the separation between church and state? Do we really want God and God's prophets to provide us with laws? Good questions. Let's go in search of an answer. The Bible, as we've often observed here, is not comprised of a single literary genre. In addition to stories and songs, letters and dreams, proverbs and sermons, the good book packs a boatload of ancient legal material between its covers. There are over 700 laws in Scripture. And they cover a variety of circumstances. What penalty does your neighbor owe if she steals one of your sheep? Answer, according to Exodus 22, she owes you four sheep. <laughs> These laws come from different cultures and historical moments. And yes, the laws found in Scripture are actively debated in Scripture. <laughs> In the good book, people argue over how to interpret the laws of the land. They, they question whether certain laws are just and good. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus famously does exactly that. Consider this passage. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. Like any good rabbi, Jesus hops into the interpretive scrum. This law could be improved. This one needs to be cast in the waste bin. And this one needs a little more oomph. Of course, that, to quote my seminary roommate, is Jesus. What are the rest of us to do? What are we to make of all these laws? A few years ago, A.J. Jacobs spoke at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. Jacobs is a quirky fellow who's distinguished himself by taking on unusual disciplines. Once, he systematically read all the way through the Encyclopedia Britannica from A to Z. <laughs> I asked Jacobs to come to FAPC to discuss his project, The Year of Living Biblically. As a bit of background, Jacobs was raised in a secular Jewish family. And not having explored his faith as a child, as a youth, Jacobs wondered what he might have missed. What would it be like to be observant, really observant? To answer, Jacobs decided to obey. For the period of one year, all of the rules in the Bible he set out to follow the laws we know quite well, the Ten Commandments, love your neighbor, give a tenth of your income to charity, and Jacobs also tried to follow the less publicized biblical rules. He avoided wearing clothing made of mixed fibers. He blew a ram's horn on the occasion of every new moon. Oh, and quite wisely, he stopped shaving and grew an abundant beard. In taking on this discipline, Jacobs obeyed laws that form the bedrock of human society, and he also encountered rules that are cultural relics, regulations that now seem mean-spirited 
or just plain odd. Jacob's wife was less than pleased when he constructed a hut in the middle of their Manhattan apartment in order to observe the Feast of Booths, and when he refused to take a picture of his mother-in-law to avoid making a graven image, things got downright icy. It's a funny book. But a reader's takeaway is more than a chuckle. Along the way, as Jacob's follows the rules, something starts to happen. In attending to laws that call people to care for the poor and the stranger, Jacobs finds that he can no longer practice the stare that New Yorkers cultivate to avoid looking at a homeless person. The biblical rules shape this author's days. They reorder his priorities. Following the law changes Jacob's life and the lives of those around him. And this takes us back to Exodus. My professor, Patrick Miller, explained to his many students that the Ten Commandments are not a set of personal benchmarks, a, a private moralism. The Decalogue, Miller argued, isn't private at all. The commandments are expansive. They're communal. They are fence posts marking society's boundaries. They are rules for the neighborhood. They carve out a moral space for all Israel. The Decalogue, you see, aims to change people's lives. It pictures an alternative community. Alternative? Alternative to what? Today's passage answers that question right off the bat. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. These laws, says God, are an alternative to Egypt, an alternative to living as a slave. These laws represent what it means to be free. Free? How can that be? Laws don't free people. Laws constrain. Don't do this. Don't do that. Thou shalt not. How can laws be about freedom? To answer, we need to step back and remember the arc of Exodus. First comes the story, a, a story of liberation, a story of hope, a story in which God leads people out of slavery through a wilderness and in search of a promised land. On the way, God gifts the people with an ethic to match their identity. Tom Long describes the dynamic in this way. First comes the experience of being cared for, the experience of being set free. And then there follows a life shaped ethically around that profound story. A nurse saying, I'll be right here beside you to a patient. Later informs the actions of that patient when he, in turn, risks his life for a stranger. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the house of slavery, prompts the people to live lives shaped by the freedom 
created by that God. Everything, Catholic poet Charles Pegee once remarked, everything begins in mysticism and ends in politics. Is that really how the world works? Do our most precious mystical stories percolate through us, influencing politics, writing laws? Do the mystical seeds of human liberation reside in the chiseled lines of the Decalogue? What if, what if we were to hear the commandments in this way? Have no other God before me. You are free. You are free from having to lug idols around. You are free from the whispers of hucksters. You are free from the empty promises of pretenders. You are free. Do not covet. You are free. You are free from worrying about your status or your possessions. You're, you're free from worrying about whether you measure up to your neighbors. You are free to live in a radically different way. Thou shalt not kill. You are free. You are free from a culture of violence, from seeing human aggression as a solution, as a remedy, as anything other than a tragic cycle. You are free. Do not bear false witness. You are free. You are free to tell the truth. You are freed from your own unhealthy ego. You are freed from the narcissistic deception that reality conforms to your desires. You are free from lying, from telling yourself that it's okay to sling falsehoods around when you are hurt or sad or just plain mad. You are free. Honor the Sabbath. You're free. You're free from labor that gets you nowhere, from churning out a never-ending stack of bricks under the gaze of the overseers. You are free to rest. You are free to think and sing and draw and pray. You are free. In Exodus 20, Moses meets God atop Mount Sinai. God appears as a fire, no smoldering bush this time, but a, a thundering fire, the fire that burns in every cosmic atom, a force capable of shaking mountains, waking the dead, breaking chains. And this fire speaks, Moses, make these laws your catechism. Write them on your hearts. Teach them to your youth. They will remind you that escaping from slavery is not a one-time event. It's an everyday thing. Every single day. Face the world this week, my friends, with Christ's peace in your hearts. Have courage. Hold fast to what is good. Do not return evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, honor all people, love 
and serve the Lord. Amen.